0: Welcome to You and Me, Kid, a podcast about pursuing single parenthood on your own, where I speak with other single moms, those still considering, and experts in relevant fields to help you decide if this choice is right for you, and if so, how to actually make it happen. I'm Sarah Hubbard. And as a single person wanting to start a family, it took me way too long to figure out my options, navigate the process, and get a real sense of what the day-to-day experience of raising a baby on my own would actually look like. So it is my sincere hope that this podcast helps guide you through some of those big decisions and provides a lot of honesty and a little humor along the way. Thanks so much for listening. This week's episode is a real doozy. Kara Mayola is not only a very, very dear friend of mine and one of the warmest, most empathetic humans I have ever met, not surprisingly, she is also a licensed professional counselor and health educator for her practice, Aspen Integrated Counseling in the Roaring Fork Valley of Colorado. Cara also co-founded an amazing women's wellness and leadership community called Luminary with our dear friend Amber in 2014. Luminary has become my personal operating system for physical, mental, and emotional wellness, but the community also has online trainings and classes, retreats, and they offer corporate workshops as well. Karen and I really dive in today to discuss the transition to motherhood and what tools we can use as humans and as women to really support ourselves in this huge shift. When she and I chatted, I just was getting used to being pregnant and really starting to think about um, how I would feel once this baby showed up and if I would still feel like myself or I, I should prepare to really feel like a completely different person and, and if that would feel groundless and what I should think about as I headed into that stage. I love Kara so much and I hope you enjoy our chat. Let's get to it. First off, obviously we're, you know, we've been chatting, but I want to say thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. I know you're such a busy professional and a busy, 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 busy mama, but I would love for you to introduce yourself because if I do it, it's probably going to be like all hyperbole and I'll go on a a hundred tangents. So I'd love for you to just introduce yourself. Tell me about your like regular professional career as a counselor and then a little bit about luminary and then we can dive in.
1: Okay, will do. And you already know this, Sarah, but thank you for wanting to pick my brain and have this conversation and I love being your friend and colleague. Gotcha. So my name is Kara Mayola. I'm a licensed professional counselor, and I have two businesses. My first business is called Aspen Integrated Counseling, and I'm a psychotherapist for adults and adolescents, and it's based out of Carbondale, Colorado. So I've been working as a mental health practitioner for almost 20 years now. So that ages me, but... I'm so happy to say that because I love my job. I love what I do. I love the people I work with and I have a job where I can keep learning and growing and it is really rewarding. So it's my favorite thing. And then my other business is called Luminary and my business partner and I lead retreats and workshops that help people develop self-leadership skills. So that's actually how Sarah and I met was on a Luminary retreat.
0: Yeah. And both of those are kind of the reason I wanted to talk to you today, not just because I know you as a friend and I know you're going to be so helpful with this kind of topic and questions I have, but because I had the absolute pleasure of coming to one of your seven-day luminary retreats and, and the things that I learned have absolutely become my operating system on a day-to-day basis for navigating everything from work to IVF to relationships to friendships. And so I think your skill set in kind of both of those paths is really kind of what I want to dig into a little bit today. I love it. I'm honored. And
1: it's just a treat to be here and to talk about it. I should also say that I'm a mom. I have a five-year-old little boy named Keppa, So I come at this conversation both as a trained professional, but also as
0: a mama of a five-year-old too. Yes, that's the most important part. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, we've talked a little bit about this, but just a little bit of background in terms of kind of, I was trying to think about when my thoughts around why this would be a helpful topic have popped up. And I was thinking, they originally, I think, started coming up way before I even pursued parenthood when my all my friends started having kids a long, long time ago. Most of them have five, seven, eight-year-olds at this point. And I watched them, both working moms and non-working moms, go through this big identity crisis, but I think really feeling like all of a sudden they became a mom and they were nothing else. And there was some isolation there. There was some who am I there. There was the things that I loved. I'm not doing any more stuff there. And I think it took a really long time for a lot of them to start to vocalize some of that. And so I've been remembering those conversations as I get very, very, very close to having this baby around kind of it's it's just such a crazy thing because I feel like any other life transition you kind of know how to prepare right I'm taking on a new job, I know what that looks like I know how to adjust my schedule I'm moving or I'm doing something else there's like things I think I'm gonna need or things I, I know that I'm gonna need to take care of myself in that process but this is the biggest, most like dramatic transformation I probably will ever go through in my life and I have guesses around what i'm gonna need right or how it's gonna feel but there's absolutely no way to predict it but what i do know is that it's probably gonna feel really groundless a lot and i think and it's gonna feel really different and it's such a crazy thing even to look at my calendar i was scheduling a meeting today and i was like oh i'm scheduling a meeting for after the baby's born i don't even know who i'm gonna be on this date (laughs) like i don't know who mom sarah is gonna be or think or feel or Yeah. And that's just such a crazy thought. It's just so mind bending. And so I was just so thrilled to talk to you today about just kind of, first of all, your experience and and kind of how that happened for you as as a mom and a working mom. And then maybe we can get into kind of some of the things that you've heard with your clients and some of the kind of resources or helpful things for almost new moms or new moms to think about as they're about to like go into this totally new world?
1: Yes, I love this topic and I think the only thing that's going to limit us is time <laughs> yeah. and the conversation. The topic of women's health, women's mental health and figuring out how to navigate a life-changing journey and having the tools to help us get through this. It's a topic I'm really excited about and passionate about and One of the first things that came to mind when you invited me to talk about this was thinking about how this experience is a big change. And you described it as a crisis for some women, like an identity crisis, and whether it feels like a crisis or it's really easy, I think it just depends on the person and what's going on in their world, but it is a big change. And what I know about human beings is that human beings have a complicated relationship with change. Parts of us want change, crave the change, are 100% behind the change. Parts of us resist change, get uncomfortable with change, don't like change, fear change, avoid change. And parts of us just feel kind of mixed up and ambivalent about it, like parts of it and don't like other parts of it. And so this is one of the biggest practical lifestyle changes a person could make the choice to become a parent. And it's a financial and logistical change. And it's a big relational and emotional change. So yeah, there's no getting around change. And change in the beginning, when it feels hard, I think it feels hard because with change comes destruction. And what I mean by that is Change requires a deconstruction Mm. of what used to be, whatever that form used to be. So whatever our schedule used to look like or whatever our sense of self or what we did with our time or how we saw who we were in the world, whatever that construction is. Big life changes force a deconstruction of that. And I think that when things are being rearranged and it's like a puzzle that's being taken apart, that feels bad. Usually, even if it's a desired change, even if it's a change you most deeply want, there's no way to get around like the pain that comes with deconstruction is not optional. It's just a part of the change process. And. Also a part of the change process is those pieces kind of being apart for a little while. Like we've taken apart this, this form and it's all deconstructed and it looks like a million puzzle pieces that are like, maybe it was like a vase that looked a certain way. And then it got shattered and now it's on all these different pieces. And now I need to rebuild another vessel to hold water, but it's never going to look like it did before. So the first stage is like that deconstruction. The second stage is the piece is kind of all being hanging out there, like not actually making a form. And then I think the third stage is things starting to get put back together. And then the fourth stage is like, now you have a new new vessel or a new form. And I think that in that change process, there are exciting and parts of that that may feel good to someone. And they're also really difficult, stressful, scary, painful, overwhelming parts of
0: it. I love that you, you say mean? deconstruction too, because I think the word that's been popping up a little bit for me recently is is grieving this the things I'm saying goodbye to. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, that maybe that's travel or free time or, you know, just just freedom in general, like in it the movies. And I I'm like, oh my God, I'm not going to see a movie for a long time. Or who's going to watch this kid when I have to go to the dentist? Those just little yeah. things that feel easy right now are going to feel hard. But I also think Every time I say the word grief, I'm, it also comes with this idea of am I saying that because I'm assuming this is going to look a certain way based on what either other moms or society has told me is going to look like and maybe I'm open to creating my own reality that involves travel or more freedom or balancing things out a little bit and doing things a little bit differently with this kid. Or is that really the way it's going to be, right? So with that grieving, maybe I shouldn't be grieving. Maybe this isn't going to be what X person told me it's going to be or society told me it's going to be or some show told me it's going to be. And so I like waver with all of that. Should I really be sad about it when I don't even know what it's going to look like? You know, I go back and forth daily on those two.
1: And I don't know that there's a way to avoid <laughs> yeah. that necessarily, but I do think that what you're doing with this podcast, like women sharing their stories. I think hearing other stories of that deconstruction process and then how the pieces got put back together. Mm -hmm. I think that what our society likes to do is talk about the deconstruction of things a lot, like the bad things, but we maybe don't talk enough about the good that's come. Like you might hear, oh, you never have any time as a parent. You might hear that a lot, but maybe you don't hear about this is how I spend my time and I'm enjoying spending my time with my kids. You might not yeah. hear the, all the good parts of it too. So I think sharing stories and sharing the whole story, not just, you know, certain isolated parts of it, only the good parts or only the bad parts can be helpful. But I think it can be helpful to see the grief process that you're going through as that normal change process where it's okay if you feel those feelings of grief as, the, as you're starting to prepare for these pieces to start to pull apart and fall apart a little bit. But all the pieces still exist on the floor in stage number two. Nothing is gone. Everything that you really care about is still there. It's just it can't go back in the way that it used to go back. And it can't go back in that exact spot or an exact Form. So the beautiful part about change when you're an active participant in your own change process is you get to pick the pieces that matter. If travel matters to you, if going to the movies matter to you, you get to keep those pieces, but you might need to file them down and reshape them and rework them so they fit in a new way in the new vessel that you create. And you might find, you won't know, this is the thing also that's, I think, hard about this transition into motherhood is you don't know what it's going to be like until you get there. Mm -hmm. So any assumptions you make about what's going to be easy, what's going to be hard are probably going to, you know, look so different than you thought it was going to. Things are going to be Better than you think that they're gonna be. And things are gonna be harder than you think that they're gonna be. And you're gonna be wrong about what you thought was gonna be easier hard, or you're gonna be right about it, but it's gonna feel different or it's gonna turn out differently than you might anticipate it. So I think that's hard for human beings. We like certainty. We like to know what's coming. We wanna prepare ourselves for it. We wanna avoid pain and discomfort. And I think that. Some of the skills that can help with navigating this process include increasing our, I'm going to include myself because I still feel like I'm in a lot of change as a mom, but increasing our ability to dance with uncertainty, to sit with uncertainty, to not know, and to be willing to show up as best as we can, even without knowing what it's going to be like. And I think we get better at handling uncertainty when we have more skills to navigate our difficult thoughts and feelings that come up in all life situations. We all have difficult thoughts and feelings. And when you say luminary curriculum is like part of your operating system, I think you're referring to that, just the skills and tools that we try to teach and that I teach all my clients in my private practice as well to try to, figure out how am I making my decisions? What matters most to me? How can I feel this discomfort in a skillful way? And how can I align my decision-making and my behavior to put me in a direction that's going to help me get through this and end up in the place that I most want to be?
0: Well, let me ask you this, if you don't mind sharing as a professional with that lens, but also someone who went through this personally as a working mom what, when in your early days of parenthood or not even early days, like, as you said, they're still continuing, what were, you know, what was kind of that experience like for you in terms of what you expected versus what you didn't expect? What were some of those moments for you that felt really surprising or important? Yeah, I love to share
1: that. So me, just like any other human, I come into that life change with some strengths and then some things that are really hard for me. And I came into that life transition, I think with quite a bit of skills, being able to navigate the ups and downs. So that actually wasn't the hard part for me. The hard part for me was so different than that. So I want to share my hard part, but we can loop back to the other, the skills that I think could help people. But my hard part was that I... So I it was a planned pregnancy. It was a pregnancy that I and I'm married and have a partner And it was a pregnancy that we had, you know, thought about for many years and then consciously decided to enter into it. I prepared work. I had prepared, I'd done all the preparations. So I felt like I had my feet underneath me going into becoming a mom. And I think I felt open. Things are going to change. How am I going to change? I'm ready for change. I'm embracing change. I'm welcoming change. But the two parts that felt hardest to me about this change was that when I, before, so maybe this is BK before kid and AK after kid. So before kid, I had two businesses. I found a lot of fulfillment and meaning in my work. I worked a lot and a lot of my free time and my downtime, I spent geeking out on learning about human beings, geeking out on designing experiences that help people to transform and experience new possibilities within. I certainly would, you know, go to yoga and take day to day free time was spent, you know, researching things and, and studying and learning and designing experiences and talking to friends about all of that, just generating more ideas. And I don't think I really got how much of my sense of self was founded in, all the time I spent using my brain and creating new ideas and engaging with my work in the way that I was. And so then when I became a mom, not only was there a big shift in the amount of time, I also wanted to spend quite a bit of time with my kid as much as I could afford. That's also a value of mine and very, and was, and is very important to me. So I think there was a little bit of an adjustment around just working less and having a little more simple and humble life and not contributing to the thought field that I'm a part of as much or at all for a little while and really pulling back on some of that work. But I think the biggest disorientation for me was that when I did have free time, I would arrange it so I'd have free time, I would have some mama downtime other than like getting in the maintenance, like exercise, I went through probably for like three years, this period, like, what do I want to do when I have free time? I literally would sit there, my partner would say, okay, it's your time, go do something with your time. And it's when you become a parent, especially a young kid, it's usually at not an opportune time for other people to have free time. So if I'm not hanging out with somebody else, if I'm not, you know, going on a hike or doing a yoga class, what do I do with my time? And so that was a huge, I'm happy to share more or less about that, but I literally had probably at least one solid year of just sitting in my free time. I have no idea what I want to do. And at one point there's so much I could do and be interested in, but I have so little time. I can't really do it. So what do I do? And that was my crisis is like, who am I, if I'm not, if i don't have ample free time to create all of these work things and i have 2 hours do i want to read do i want to go on a walk do i want to call a friend do i want to learn pottery do what do i want to do and that i didn't find the answers to what i want to do with my free time until i had lived i was still putting the the vase back together and so I didn't really know what I want, what would feel deeply rewarding and nourishing for me until I had lived a little bit longer and sat with all those pieces kind of hanging out there with all this question unanswered for a little while. Like, what do I want to do with my time when it's just for me? So
0: that was one thing that was hard for me. Should I move on to the second or do you yeah, want to ask? No, that that's great. And I I think too, so much about the energy factor around that too, right? You're coming into it with such a different battery than you would have before where, oh, I have 15 minutes pre-baby times. You could do whatever you wanted with that 15 minutes with a full battery. But, you know, even after being pregnant for nine months, I'm like, that just, those 15 minutes of what I am, what I want to do versus what I am capable of doing or my brain or my body are capable of doing are just so different. And there's days where it's like, yeah, I would love to go. Have some amazing conversation for an hour with a friend. The only thing I have the energy to do is nap. (laughs) Totally.
1: No, I think the energy thing is your energy, and that shifts throughout early parenthood as your kid goes through different stages your physical energy and your mental capacity. And I, I can think of friends who didn't have this struggle that I had. They already had a couple of hobbies that they just love doing. They would go pick up their weaving there. I have a friend who's a beautiful weaver and gorgeous blankets and pillows. And she would just do a little bit of weaving when she had time. It was easy for her. I just came into this experience, not realizing how much of my sense of self and how I enjoy my time was kind of these bigger ideas, bigger work, bigger time commitment projects. And Not only was my brain not working that way, but the logistics of the amount of time I had or was willing to give as well to those things really constricted. So that was a big identity shift. The other thing that was hard about this transition for me, which I think is an interesting topic given the people who might be listening to this podcast, is that I... Was lucky. And again, all of this is so personal, depending on like your life situation, your strengths, your challenges. My per- specific life situation is that I had a partner. We were married for over 10 years before we decided to have a child. We have had and have, but had a really solid relationship worked together really well, found a way to be compatible and work through, you know, life stressors and ups and downs, but nothing has had a bigger impact on our relationship than having a child, having a kid completely changed the way that we operated with each other. And that could be like a whole other podcast, (laughs) a relationship podcast, but A lot of what was difficult in this transition and identity development for me was, well, first of all, I am myself and I I want to show up and be a good friend to myself. Second of all now, which feels way more demanding, given that there's a human being that needs to stay alive and that I'm responsible for, I'm a mom. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be a mother? So you're figuring that out for yourself. That can look so different for everybody. And then I'm thinking, well, I'm a wife too, but what does that mean with when I have limited energy, limited time, limited bandwidth for this other relationship that's also really important to me? And my husband went through a little bit of postpartum depression after our son was born. I was fortunate not to experience postpartum anxiety and depression, though it's very normal for mothers and fathers actually to experience some sort of usually temporary and varying in intensity postpartum depression or anxiety. We used to think it was just like a hormonal thing for women, but now we know it's much more complicated than that because men get postpartum depression as well. They're not experiencing the same hormonal changes. So, you know, I have two people that I care about that I need to give more of my time and attention to because they have more needs and I'm one person. And so that was hard for me to figure out how to redefine what it looks like to give of myself to my partner, as a wife, to my son, as a mom, and retain a sense of self giving to myself. So that's a big juggle. And I'm thinking some of the pros of entering motherhood as a single person is that you don't have another relationship like that, that needs your time and attention. And you can really pour yourself into taking care of yourself and your little one.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in to the first season of You and Me Kid. My hope with this podcast was to connect with even just a few women who were questioning whether or not they could do this and show them that it is possible. I'm thrilled to say that I've connected with so many of you over Instagram and email, and I'm excited that the interviews have provided some inspiration and a little education as you make this decision. I'm going to take a little break as I gear up for season two. The hardest part of having a podcast about single moms is scheduling with single moms. (laughs) So it takes a little time to record these episodes. If you have been listening and you have questions, topics you think I should cover, people you think I should talk to, please, please, please reach out to me through my website at youandmekidpod.com and shoot me a note in the contact form. I'm open to any and all ideas and would love to hear from you. Thanks again for being here, and I'll be back as soon as I can. Yeah, that's so true. I hear I mean, I obviously hear that from single parents, as well as my married friends, too, which is the the hardest thing about those early days was keeping a marriage together while also having a a kid. And and, and there's, of course, so many pros and cons on both sides of, of that experience. But the thing that I've been struggling with a lot lately is this question of. And again, this is really personal, but my life has been pretty easy even this process has been pregnancy has been fairly easy i don't i'm not a up down super emotional living in the down stages for a while navigating out of that that much things are for the most part pretty stable across the board in terms of my experiences and if that shifts i'm usually very clear on why i'm sad or why i'm mad and i and i feel pretty good about being able to navigate out of that i am also, very aware that there's going to be some darkness, I think, in, in some of these early phases, and whether that's feeling alone or feeling isolated or feeling exhausted, or all of that mixed into some awesome experience altogether is kind of the newness of navigating what might very well be a, a darker type of experience like that. And I know there's probably going to be a bliss as well, that, and we'll, <laughs> we'll move between those with fluidity, but that will be a very new, I'm, I'm grateful to say that will be a very new experience for me when and if that does happen of just being like, oh, this is hard and I'm sad or emotional or exhausted that's just not something I've had to face too much in my single life but so I'm told it is coming (laughs) and so being ready for it I think
1: the whole range of the human experience is coming just like you've are I mean have you navigated challenges in your past whatever they might be sure yeah have you overcome anxious moments or lonely moments Absolutely. Yeah. yeah great so, point. yes, the whole range is coming. It's just that what your brain is picking up on is I don't have context for this. What does this look like being lonely, being a single parent? What does this look like being depressed, being a single parent? What does this look like feeling frustrated as a single parent? What does this look like feeling anxious and overwhelmed as a single parent? I think we've all human beings have felt all of these things, but just in different contexts. And it is intimidating because of how our brains are wired to be approaching a new context, not knowing what it's going to look like. When you think about any of the challenges that could come your way and you're in this new context, what feels the hardest about it to you?
0: I think the me part doesn't managing my own emotions and being able to kind of figure out where what emotion I'm feeling what I need to do about it pulling from my toolkit is is by no means a big deal I think it's when you add hormones and a screaming baby into that and it's like 2 a.m it's the context right around especially kind of the upset kid and emotions that are going to come with that that I definitely haven't felt as yeah. a mom. Those are the times. And I think those are the times too, that people bring up the most, which is oh, the late nights where like your kid won't stop screaming and you're at your max and there's nobody there to help you. And the only thing that I can pull from at that point is it's fleeting. It'll pass just like any other experience. But I think those are the times people talk the most about. So that's where that societal piece comes in, right? Which is like, okay, yeah. this is going to happen we're going to have some nights where it's just us and maybe we're both crying and we'll get through it. But I think a lot of people have used this phrase with me, which is, yeah, it gets, it's, it gets dark. It's, it gets, It's real. It's very, very, very real. And just prepare yourself for that. And so that's kind of an interesting new picture that I've been thinking a little bit about.
1: What does that mean to prepare yourself? <laughs> I, don't know. Yeah. I think I don't it's a know. good yeah. statement. But I think it's it's better to ask that to make it as a question, to reform that statement into a question. Like, how do I prepare myself for situations I've never experienced before? And when I know there's gonna be times where it's gonna feel intense and I'm gonna feel ill-equipped to meet that intensity. I think that's a beautiful question. How do we prepare ourselves for it? I I think to a certain extent, we can't fully prepare ourselves for it because we don't really know what it's going to be. And I think we're best also just being in the present moment sometimes as human beings and relating to what is in the best way that we can. But I do think that there are things that we could talk about today that might be ways to prepare yourself. Let's just say it's that scenario of yeah. you're yeah. alone. It is 2 a.m. You're little girl is struggling in some way you're trying all the things that you know, to help soothe her, but she's just not having it. She's having a hard time. And that could be the scenario or maybe many other scenarios where it feels like it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah. And you're just don't know what to do and you're feeling exhausted and overwhelmed and maybe scared. What comes up for you when I just paint that picture? What do you feel in your body? What do you notice in your emotions or in your thoughts?
0: I think with this change, I think I've never made a decision that is, is permanent. You know, I joke sometimes that the only things you can't walk back are face tattoos and babies. This, uh-huh. is, a, this is a permanent shift that there's no, there's no out button, right? And yes. I, ha- I have wanted a baby with everything that I am forever. So I say that, of course, with that context too. I think also without having a partner, there's no exit button, right? There's no, hey, I need a break. Can you hold this baby while I go walk around the block? And the reality of knowing those little options are not there, even though I know I'm going to want them in the moment. And then also, you know, as you said, it's like feelings I haven't felt before, which is like, I know it's going to be a mix of frustration and exhaustion. I'm also going to be really bummed that something's going on with my kid right? And the empathy that's there. And so, I don't know, it's, it's, I'm, it's going to be a lot at once, which is something I'm not typically, I typically don't have a lot of experience with that schmush up, the mash up of all the emotions. You are very experienced
1: (laughs) helping people with all the smush up of all of the stressful things in their world and helping them make sense of it and helping them find a path forward. So you actually do have this in you. It just never needed to be realized in this context. So there are going to be moments where it feels clunky and awkward and uncertain, but I think there are a couple of things that we could remind you of what you already have inside that could help you navigate those big feelings in this context that you've never dealt with and you're not sure how to deal with it. So the first thing that could help, and this helps with childbirth as well, is to remind yourself the only way out is through. So... Yes, like face tattoos, kids, you can't get out of those, but you're speaking to something that human beings we want to do all the time. When we run into something that's uncomfortable that we don't like, our first instinct is, I want out of this. I need out, like no more. I'm changing this up. And when you become a parent and as you're trying to evolve as a higher functioning adult and a healthy adult, a good reminder is, don't just avoid things that make you uncomfortable all the time, that you can make room for the discomfort, that it can be shitty. Like you can just sit there. Like I would recommend you just sit there on the floor with your baby and stay calm and fold her, but cry and say, this sucks. <laughs> this is hard. This is a hard moment. This is really, really difficult. If I could get out of this moment, I would, but my deeper self doesn't want to because One, it's not possible. No one's coming. No one is going to save me from this. This is mine to do. And two, I wouldn't want to walk away from this moment. This is a growing moment. This is a moment where me and my girl are going to be together, not knowing what to do. And we're going to be together kind of miserable. And we're going to be together losing our shit. And we're going to be together. That's all that matters. All you need is to stay with yourself and stay with your little girl and just let it be kind of crappy if it's crappy and remind yourself there's no way out of this. The only way is through. And so you'll be reminding yourself through childbirth. I wish this would stop. I'm ready to be done. I'm tired, but there's no exit. You have to just see it through. And there is something So amazing that parents have even the most high functioning, high productivity parents I know said that I didn't really realize how much I was capable of until I became a parent then you realize what you're capable of. And you only grow that capability by pushing against, having those crying moments on the floor, pushing against it. So rather than being afraid of that moment, I want you to welcome that moment. You don't have to look forward to it and want it, but I think you can welcome it as, oh, this is where I grow. This is where I learn how to be overwhelmed and not know and be okay, because I'm staying with myself, and I'm staying with my girl, and I'm going to find a way to get through this. This will, some of the, a little tool in your tool belt is remind yourself this is temporary. It is going to get better, and I think that is a really big help for parents of young kids to know that every week something really big is going to be happening. It feels really big, and then it's going to be Totally different the next week, yeah. what you're worried for about, what you're thinking about. Yeah. And yeah, for life, it changes in the beginning. It literally is every week, and then it's every month, and then it spaces out to kind of every part of a year or year as they get older. But there's so much change. So just reminding yourself, like, I welcome this moment. This moment is where I get to grow. There's nothing I need to do but just be here for myself and my daughter. Total mess.
0: I love that. And I love that phrase. And I use that often. And I think you hit on something that I want to touch on, but I want to make sure you get to your second piece too, which is the superpowers that parents develop in this experience that we don't even know are happening either. Right? So the flip side of this darkness and this feeling not capable or less than or whatever, there's a completely different side of that coin, which is there's a whole set of capabilities that I haven't even tapped into that just happen when you become a parent or parts of yourself you haven't even utilized that suddenly become your primary kind of go-tos, right? But I want to make, before we get into that, I want to make sure you had gotten to both your points before we go there.
1: Well, I think another thing that might help in that dark crying baby moment is to remind yourself that what matters most in the parent-child relationship is just that you are present and showing up. You don't have to have it all right. You can make a ton of mistakes. You can not know what to do. And as long as you're there saying, girl, I know you're upset and I have no idea how to help (laughs) you. I've tried everything I know, but I love you. I'm here for you. In three hours, my friends on the East Coast will be awake. I'll call someone who might have some ideas, but until then, I'm just going to like half awake, hold you and rock you and remind myself, it's okay that this isn't perfect and that I don't know what to do. I I think that women tend to carry a burden of doing the right things, saying the right things, being prepared. Men may carry that burden as well. But I think I know that women carry that burden in a relational context. And just to really, really get That you showing up and being warm and attuned and present, even if you have no idea what to do and have no answer to it, is the most important thing. So, you can't mess up your child. And if you are being warm and attuned and present more than half of the time, you can't mess it up. And everything else is learning. And I'm happy to maybe include in, you have show notes, a few links of parenting coaches. I have really great free content that I follow and followed like the Bible and also a couple of books that I wish I would have had that now I'm now aware of that I think really help in that early baby phase. I, to love that. I would love any of those, those resources. Things. So some of this is just resources, but I think the biggest thing is just to, when something is happening and the shit's hitting the fan, just stop, drop, and roll with what's happening and stay close to how you just want to show up in your relationship. You can be an incompetent mom who has no idea about breastfeeding and be exactly the mom your little girl needs because you just are present, you're tuned in, and you're willing to learn and willing to withstand the not knowing clunky moments, knowing that they're just a part of the package, but doesn't have to define. Those difficult moments don't have to define. And I do want to say one thing, and let's talk about parent superpowers. Don't underestimate, and you don't know this yet because you haven't experienced it, but don't underestimate the joyful moments because they do serve as a buoy so that you have more in your tank when it gets depleted from those difficult moments. Don't, don't underestimate that and don't in the moment forget to draw on that. Even when it's like, I have no idea what to do with this parenting moment, but just to even take a step back and be like, but how awesome is my kid, even though she's being whatever? And how awesome is it that this is my life and I love her and this is a good thing, even though it's really hard. You can definitely draw on the bliss of your little one. I love that. As a source of strength.
0: Yeah, that's what a lot of people have said that to me, which is just, there's, yeah, there there's this thing you haven't felt, which is like this whole nother source of your cup being filled, which is this being your kid and so it's very different than when you're hanging out with someone else's baby who's screaming nonstop, right? It's just a it's just a totally different experience and you're living in a totally different mind, body and heart because it's just a completely kind of new understanding. And I, I love the idea too. I mean we've talked a lot about I say sometimes that it, it makes a lot of sense for me in my dating life that I would meet somebody after having a baby because this is the thing that I wanted the most my entire life. And it's almost somebody, you know, spending their whole life talking about, God, if I could only be a musician, that's all I want in the world, right? And then you become a musician and you open up this part of yourself that you always knew was important to you. And so it makes a lot of sense to me that this is the order that my life is going in. But I also know that I'm going to be a different person in this experience. And I'm excited to meet her and see what she's capable of and see how this changes the, the strengths and capabilities that I have now and gives me some new ones. And I'm I'm very interested to see what kind of mom superpowers come out of this. And I've certainly heard from other parents that they're like, oh man, I had no idea I was this, or I'm more empathetic in my work or having a kid has affected my entire perspective on this other subject or opened up a part of me to pursue a career path I didn't even know I was interested in. Right. And that's the stuff that I just find so fascinating as well as on the flip side, how it changes you in a really positive way.
1: Yes. Oh, I love that. I think that I think that to point out what you were just saying about the ways that things can change for the better, think about, and when you said that you're going to be a totally different person, I think that that's accurate and inaccurate at the same time. Think about that vase being shattered. It's never going to be that vase again. So it is, it is a totally different vase or receptacle for holding water. But some of the pieces that you choose to retain and some of the pieces just of who you are will be part of the mix. But the life experience of becoming a parent either naturally will Let a few new pieces appear on the floor that you can play with or will require you to shape a new piece that's going to fit in this spot because you need to have this capability that you didn't have before. And now you're going to do it because there's nothing like a child to help you say, well, it doesn't really matter what you wanted or what you thought or what you were ready for. What is, is, and you're going to deal with what is. So jump in and, and make it happen. So yeah, you'll have new pieces to work with, but you will have, you can keep, the best parts of you. And also the worst parts of you usually show up under stress and change. And so you can work on those and shape those and smooth off those rough edges a little bit too. So yeah, you'll be a newly constructed person, but still retain many of the things either of your choosing or that are the most important parts of the essence of who you are.
0: Someone, I says, do want to say, oh, okay. go ahead. Mm-mm. I was just going to say, someone said something amazing to me the other day too, which is that so often, especially when you're just pregnant and this baby isn't out in the world, that like, it's me. I'm a solo parent. I'm doing this on my own. But there's also this little being. You know, it, you're not by yourself. There's two people in this mix, and that little being is going to bring her own personality and all kinds of things. And so that engagement also is going to be bring up different parts of me or have me notice things I've never noticed before. And I, I mean, I love spending time with kids for that reason. Above all, I think, which is they're pointing out stuff and joking about things and saying things that I would never see or do or think. And so I loved that someone was, she's not in this picture yet that you're thinking about, but she will be in there and you don't even know how she's going to affect it. But there's two of you in there. And she's going to bring all kinds of her own stuff. And I loved that picture because I was like, oh, that's so right. Like, it's not just me navigating her or reacting to her. It's like, no, she's coming into the picture too with her whole own show. Absolutely. And there'll be
1: joy in that and there'll be challenge in that. But it's. I do feel like that picture is grounding because it's like, well, wait, you know how to do relationships. They get rough, you know, they get overwhelming, but you've successfully been in many relationships and you have many relationships. When you have her and it's the relationship, it becomes a big buoy to help through those difficult moments as well. I do want to say something and then maybe we can pivot to superpowers, but I think that in the scenario of being in that low moment, reminding yourself the only way out is through, And reminding yourself that it is temporary and focusing on being attuned and connected and present, even if you feel like you're doing a horrible job as a parent in that moment because you have no idea what to do. I think that while you're waiting for it to change or while you're waiting to get a little more support to help you, or while you're waiting to get more information that would help you know what to do in the situation, having a set of self-soothing skills can be really helpful. So in my mind, in this scenario, it's two in the morning. You're not going to call any of your mom friends at two in the morning. Maybe they said you could, but Maybe you even do, and they don't answer because they're asleep. Either way, I'm envisioning that there might be like a three-hour period here where you really are on your own as the only adult in the room. We've got you and your daughter, so you're going to just be in the relationship, but you're the only adult in the room. And I think that finding ways to self-soothe in that moment can be really, really helpful. So I'm. are you interested in having a brief conversation about that? Absolutely. I think one of the biggest ways that new parents try to self-soothe that I think backfires is befriending Google. There's no adult (laughs) in the room who either knows what to do or no adult in the room at all. So I'm just going to Google this. Why might my daughter be crying for hours on end? And I think that I would really, everyone's different in what works and doesn't work for them. So this is just kind of, maybe my personal slash professional advice, but to be really selective about where you get information on the internet and when I would recommend not seeking out information on the internet when you're already distressed. Yeah. So I've done a lot of parenting Google searches and gotten some good info, but I think that that information is better received and it's more appropriately applied, not at two in the morning. And so That's I good think two AM brain under a stressful situation, plus nature of mom chat rooms and all the bad things that could be the reason why your kid is crying, probably just has gas, whatever. It just doesn't, it, it usually increases distress and doesn't help to regulate or soothe those discomforts. So a few soothing gestures though, feel free to ask questions or ask for more. We can get as deep into this as you want. But I think one of the things that helps us as human beings feel the most soothed is by offering ourselves compassion and just a reminder that like, we're going to stay nice to ourselves in our heads. So just in that moment, you're this is hard. Any, mo- any parent, whether they had a partner with them or not, has had many of these moments and it's hard for all of us. Like, it's okay that this is hard. Like, I'm going to be nice to myself. I'm not going to say bad stories about myself in my head, and I'm just going to see this as one of these really clunky, uncomfortable parenting moments that I will get through. So being friendly with yourself and signaling, like, I'm going to be with myself in this. I'm going to be on my own team as I do this. I think doing things in your environment that signal safety to your nervous system, sensory things that are grounding and soothing can be really helpful. So make sure you have on that really cozy pair of joggers and maybe just even if baby's crying, you can put her in a safe place crying next to you in her little boppy pillow and like wash your face and put some nice smelling face lotion on and Put some, you know, perfume or essential oils on and then pick your baby back up and you can light a few candles. You can put on some soothing music, soundscapes on in the background. Just try to make the environment. You can put the lights at a lighting that feels appealing to you. So think about visual smells, sounds, textures, eat a little bit make yourself a hot cup of tea, do things that take care of your physical body and kind of signal comfort and soothing. We're not trying to, there might not be anything that you can do that makes the situation change. You'll have tried all the mom things, you know, to help your daughter in that moment. But if it's just kind of like, we're just writing this out and we're safe, but it's just kind of miserable and we're writing it out, then your job is just to Get all of your senses engaged in creating a soothing, supportive experience for yourself. Other things that might be soothing are journaling a little bit about it. Just putting on her, putting her on your chest and sitting and bouncing up and down and then typing at your standing desk, just journaling about, typing about what you're feeling and what you're going through, or just organizing your questions for maybe calling your pediatrician in the morning or calling your mom friend. I recommend every mom have two mom friends that they primarily get their advice from and have it be two different, maybe two different approaches so that you can learn. So you don't want to crowdsource to too many people, but Mm -hmm. have like two moms. If you, if you have that resource available that you can maybe just get permission to email in the middle of the night, all of your questions when they're there and that, you don't expect them to email you back until they have a moment in their day, but you can start to make lifelines and connections for yourself in the middle of the night by sending out emails, asking for questions, and maybe trying to set up a little bit of social support, more social support the next day for yourself. And the good news about doing that as a single parent is you won't have another parent who's equally as exhausted and depleted. <laughs> okay who can't provide that for you the next day. And you could reach out to other friends or family who can You can be like, oh, it was just one of those nights that I just need to debrief and, and have a cry about or have a vent about and have your posse of either people who want to hear about it and just be there with you through it and have your one or two mom friends. who like, what could the crying old night be? I have no idea. And they could give you all the ideas that they would recommend you try next time. How does this sound for you, love soothing? It. Or do you have you kind of experienced yourself in these realms as well? Any other
0: tools you would coach your clients on for soothing? No, I think those are big. I think we forget the power of some of those smaller things. I even remember kind of thinking about that a lot during COVID when it was there. There weren't any options for getting outside or talking to someone or seeing someone in person. And so pulling out, I'm just gonna take a shower and maybe this is the second one I've taken today. It's warm and it's cozy, there's a, you know, I light a candle, I listen to music, not minimizing the power of some of those really small things to regulate my own nervous system. Yeah, I mean, you, you bring up such a good point too. There's this flip side also, and it's not that it's not hard, but I also am there with a child I've wanted my entire life. So if, wait a minute, there's this other flip side of, oh, I'm not by myself, depressed, isolated. Having really a hard time. Wait, there's this other person in the mix that I'm so grateful is in that experience with me. And you know, it's really interesting that you bring up kind of your go-to mom friends because it's been really interesting for me watching over the course of the past six, seven years, my friends go through this transition and the superpowers that they have developed. And I've got this incredible team of, of women at this point that I and I kind of know who to go to for what, what they what kind of categories of information or resources or support they thrive in. And it's so fun thinking about going to them in these moments because I have friends who are healthcare professionals who are friends who are just phenomenal at discipline and celebration and all these kind of day-to-day small moments, got these great categories of people to reach out to. And They already know that they're on the speed dial. (laughs) I've told them. I make the joke that, you know, you think you hear from me a lot now as one of your (laughs) best friends, but things are about to change. And so I am really excited to then reach out. And I think that will make, I know that that will make them feel good as well, because that's kind of one of the ways that they show me their love and support is to help me through that stuff because they have been there over and over and over. Gosh, absolutely. And
1: Maybe I'm speaking more to an experience that I think we both share, but I think being highly educated, you know, business owners, really kind of achievement focused, likes to take on big projects, likes to get big results from those projects. I think that it can be there can be a difficulty. And I think outside of that characteristic that I just described, I think many mothers feel like I'm failing at this. I don't know what to do. I'm bad at this. And it feels like our worth or our value as a person, as a woman, as a mother is diminished when we face our incompetence or our lack of knowledge or our lack of experience. And really the beautiful part one of the superpowers that can come out of becoming a parent is that it's the most humbling thing ever. And we shouldn't be bound by feeling like we should do the hardest job ever with zero training perfectly all by ourselves. (laughs) We need each other to do it. And so if it's hard for someone to reach out and show their vulnerability and admit that they don't know what they're doing and share difficult emotions with their friends. Being a parent is a great opportunity to practice doing those things. So I love that you already plan on having people on speed dial and reaching out and asking questions because part of the growth process is starting to be very aware and very comfortable with your human humanity and your humility and not having it all together, not knowing everything, but being willing to learn and willing to let people know that you need to learn and reaching out. For support. So I would say a superpower that many people get in whatever degree they had before it gets stronger is an ability to admit that you don't know everything and ask for help.
0: What superpowers did you realize that you had when you became a mama? I think. Or developed.
1: I think. I didn't have before. That is a really good question. I think there are two different questions. Like what superpowers did I kind of already have that really came out when I became a mom? And then what superpowers did I develop? Okay. uh, Okay. Yeah. Okay. So a couple of superpowers that I think have been revealed in this five year so far growing journey for me. I think one superpower, and I hope it's okay that I use a curse word in this. I've already used a few. So hopefully that's okay. But I think I give less fucks about a lot (laughs) of now. And I think that is a superpower that I got after becoming a parent is really getting a one, a lot more comfortable letting go of things that aren't important. Even if I care about them still, or even if they're important, but just less important. And I think I've gotten a lot better at, in the giving less fucks, about not thinking so much about what other people think. And I think a really important survival strategy as a young parent is to create kind of a barrier between yourself and all of the unsolicited advice that you'll get. And there's a lot of opinions too. And there's a lot of that. That's why I say just have your crew of two to maybe four moms and two to maybe four professionals that you follow for advice. And then just cancel out all the noise. But becoming a parent, you have to care less about what grandparents think about what you should be doing. You have to care less about what your sibling did. You have to care less about how your friends do it. You kind of have to really this is and this is a superpower is just trusting yourself and trusting your baby. Just you trusting that you're doing the best you can with the information you have can change course and pivot when you get new information and trusting that your kid is her and you're attuned to her and you're just doing your best to figure out what's right for her and for you. And so caring less about what other people think, caring less about how I could be spending my time and just more about what I am doing and how I am choosing to spend my time. I think I still have room to grow in those areas, but I think it is a superpower where you just, you don't, it's out of necessity. You just can't care anymore and you can't do it all anymore. So you just care less about the things that aren't really that important. And you just fully put yourself into what is right for you in
0: that moment. That's one superpower thing I've gained. I was just going to say, I think anyone who's, pursued single parenthood or gone through IVF or any of that is probably, I'm already getting a lot of experience with the unsolicited advice and not mm-hmm. even advice. I think people- Unsolicited
1: feedback or opinions? All of it. Yeah, yeah. I think
0: people are, there's a lot of who's coming to live with you in those first few weeks. And when the answer is no one, their face and their eyes, how are you going to do this? It's just, I think it's other, so many other people's experiences being put on me. Even recently, a lot of people just will- Who's going to be there and who's going to live with you? And, and I think building that bubble around myself has already begun. So I love that you brought that up again because I'm already, so you're already working on that one. My VF
1: journey has helped you develop that superpower and you'll be well equipped to just maximize
0: that superpower. <laughs> yeah. Giving okay. zero fucks already in process.
1: Yep. I give a few fucks, but I get less. <laughs> Important ones. <much> less. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I think another superpower, I think a superpower that I had and that I really relied on coming into this parenting journey is, I don't quite know how to describe it other than just an ability to kind of take the long view mm-hmm. on things and... Maybe that looks like patience. I don't always feel patient. I don't always act with patience as a mom, but I think in general, I've really cultivated the ability to see things from a big, big perspective. So I do that with clients. Like what's the big perspective here? I do that when I develop curriculum and workshop experiences, like what's the big picture here? What are we going for? And, and getting that in that big picture and where we're headed, being patient with that journey and just expecting there to be ups and downs along the way and difficulties along the way and being willing to just experience all of that and and being able to keep that long view is a strength that I think I have and that I have relied upon a lot becoming a parent, whether I'm Having a couple weeks or a couple days of just kind of feeling off with my partner, keeping that longer view. This is a new chapter in our marriage and it is hard and I don't like it, but I think that there's going to be a way for us to figure this out. We might need more tools. We might need more support. We might need to have many more conversations about this, but eventually like our feelings and thoughts on these things are going to evolve and we're going to figure that out. Or if it's something I don't know what's happening with a young baby, it's like, I don't really know what to do, but there are a lot of people who know, and I just haven't talked to them yet. And eventually I'll figure this out eventually. So I think whether that be a long view superpower, or maybe an optimistic superpower, thinking that most things are figure outable. It's figureoutable. I don't know the answer yet, but I'm willing to just take that long view, knowing that it's, it's going to work itself out in some way.
0: I love that you said that. And those are things that certainly have come up in other parts of my life. And I love that we're pulling them into this discussion because it's just not surprisingly reminding me and, and everybody else about what the tools they already have that can be <laughs> repurposed. And the, the other thing is we kind of wrap up here that I've been thinking about a lot lately is my, my best friend is a midwife. And she the number one reason why she said she was really pulled to this career is that it's the oldest job like there there 's no older job than delivering babies and helping people deliver babies, and so I find a lot of comfort too in the fact that there are just so many mothers <laughs> right then everyone has gone through this everyone 's experienced yes. it in a totally different way from urban centers to tribal communities. To, like, there's There really is no right way to do this besides, as you said, being present and loving your child. I find a lot of comfort in that community, even though I don't know all of them. I find comfort in knowing there's mothers all over even my neighborhood and people I can call and they've all lived a completely different experience with their child. And I, I just love that so much and find just a lot of balance in that thought just around, Hey, I'm going to do this my own way. Just like the other millions and millions and millions of you did it your way. And there's no right way to do it as long as, you know, love is kind of that priority. And so, and, and I think too, you know, I appreciate you kind of talking through some of that darker stuff with me. And I think my primary emotion right now is just excitement to meet yeah. her and like start this adventure. You know, this podcast is called You and Me Kid for a reason, which is not just the positive moments of you and me having a great time, but also we're in it. We are stuck together for life, yes. you and me. And so I'm, I'm so excited to kind of start that journey and see what she's like and, and see what we're like together, you know, and, and see how we transform together too. So we're close. We'll get there soon. <laughs>
1: And I'm just grateful to call you a friend and want to be there for you along the way. And as you're having the experience, maybe we can think of other podcast moments to invite people going through the same thing that you and I have gone through into these deeper, more connected spaces.
0: No, I love that. And you are definitely on my list of speed dials for the tools. I am excited to build on the toolkit. I've already learned from you and and have that with motherhood. So thank you for always being there for me. You're welcome. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. For more information about the podcast or me, go to youandmekidpod.com. See you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode